Um, I mean, well, I grew up obsessed with Halloween, still am. And uh, so a lot of it was born out of my love of horror films, Halloween, and especially anthology, anthology horror films, anthology TV shows, uh, because I think that's a subgenre that we don't see much anymore, which is really tragic. So I just felt like, you know, we actually haven't even seen that many films about Halloween. Carpenter's film is amazing. It's a classic. It's one of my all-time favorites. But you could probably set that on any night of the week if you really wanted to. So I really wanted to create a film that explores what the holiday is, where it comes from, why do we knock on doors asking for candy, why do we dress up in costumes. Uh, because when you actually dig and find out the reasons for this, it's pretty amazing. For horror fans, I think they'll get a kick out of it, especially if they're fans who have grown up watching a lot of films that I did, especially those from the 80s, um, when horror was fun and not just gross. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hey. We've got some Halloween events coming up. We are doing another film screening and a costume party. We are emceeing an event in Portland, Maine for Halloween. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod, and you can be up to date on all the details. This week, it's Halloween in September Kevin has been chomping at the bit to get to... He's so worried about getting to his Halloween picks that he, he had to do them this month just to make sure. Who knows what could happen between now and Kevin's next week? We don't know, but we're going to do the Halloween picks this week. Kevin, I know you've been waiting for this, and we're going to do... Uh, we're going to be talking about two anthology films this week, two anthology films that center around Halloween, starting with kind of a cult classic from 2007 and never had a theatrical release actually going to be in theaters this fall at Regal Cinemas if you have uh, if you're near a Regal Cinema they're going to be showing Trick or Treat for the first time not Trick or Treat the movie about the heavy metal guy or something the movie Trick letter R Treat from 2007 it's never been in theaters it's going to be in theaters this Halloween at Regal unfortunately the nearest Regal to us I checked and unless they haven't put it on their site yet they don't seem to be participating, but uh, if you check your nearest Regal, they might be showing Trick or Treat. This is uh, VOD right now. Kevin, this is like one of your favorite Halloween holiday movies, right? Yeah, this week I get, uh, well, one, I get to pull us up from the dark week that Dave gave us last week. Not that it wasn't appreciated, <laughs> uh, but this week is just a little bit lighter. Just a tad, but yes, this a lot lighter. I would say this is uh, two of my favorite things: anthologies and Halloween. And this, you're right, Trent. This is one of my favorite Halloween movies. It's one of my favorite anthologies. Um, this one, I just don't understand why it never hit theaters. But yeah, Michael Doherty, 2007's Trick or Treat. We're introduced to the character Sam, who is named after Sam Juan which you learn a little bit about in the movie from our friend Rhonda. And it basically all takes place in the same town. It's a bunch of intertwining stories uh, of people doing Halloween-y things in the same town. And around each story, somebody breaks a Halloween rule and Sam either does something bad to them or, you know, sort of oversees something bad happening. 
Um, lots of both movies we're talking about are just stacked in terms of actors. They're stacked in terms of wink, wink, nod, nods to other Halloween things and other horror things, particularly John Carpenter in both of these movies we're going to talk about. Um, but this this one is one of my favorites because I love the way it sort of like interweaves. So it's not an anthology in the traditional sense of uh, like Tales of Halloween is where you have, you know, section one, section two, section three. This one kind of flips you all over the place and gives you sort of four main stories. Um, you have a nice opening, which I loved. Love seeing Leslie Bibb show up in that one. Um, that kind of introduces you a little bit to Sam. Um, and then you have Principal, which stars Dylan Baker, who we all know and love from Happiness, except for Cat. Um, and then we have the Halloween School Bus Massacre and uh, Surprise Party with Anna Paquin. And then we have the conclusion with uh, Brian Cox as Mr. Krieg, um, as he battles it out with Sam. So I love this one. Uh, this is one of my favorites. I think it's shot great. I think it's acted great. I think it's funny. I think it is scary at times. Um, what did you think, Dave? I think this is the time of year that people that don't normally watch horror movies watch horror movies. And these yes. movies, to me, are for that demographic. And they're just sinister and diabolical enough that... I can also enjoy them too. But you know how like when you watch um, like Predator and there's like some laser shoots out or whatever and, and it blows up a helicopter and you're like, oh, I have an app on my phone now that can do that. I can like just take a video of me, put it in this app and there's a laser shooting out of a helicopter and it's all cheap and it, you kind of laugh at it. I felt like that with these movies because of especially uh, – the next movie, but uh, this movie too, some of the stuff in it, some of the way things looked was a little too Halloween for me. Like they, they hit it a little too hard on the nose. I did like it. This is one of my favorite anthologies and it's a great uh, movie. Like if you have to talk your girlfriend into watching a horror movie, <laughs> I believe that, that happened with this. Is I was like, can we just watch something? And she's like, you know, not something super weird with tons of sperm and poop and blood. And <laughs> and I not? would like say, well, what about something like this? You know, so I do say that it's very mainstream. It's very friendly. Uh, they both got a little dated, but they're so fun. And like I said, diabolical um, that I do. I do like them, but it's definitely for this time of year. Yeah, I'm going to be right up front with you, Kevin. Um, oh, boy. There, there's a, a razor blade in the Halloween candy <laughs> this year. I liked this one. Fine, I guess. This is definitely, I prefer this one of the two. I saw this for the first time a few years ago, and I remembered it being a little bit edgier. And and I would, I guess I would go along with what Dave is saying, because I feel like this is sort of like, if I had a family uh, around Halloween, <laughs> I would, family. yeah, get like the Halloween cookie. <laughs> you, you ever use like the Halloween cookie cutters and you make the cookies in the shape of bats and like, pumpkins and witches and stuff like that yeah I would, you don't need a family do to do that yeah i, I would do that, that and uh and make popcorn and gather around everybody can watch this movie i think that just the, like the initial beheading scene is what i remembered maybe more dylan baker i feel bad because he's done so much stuff since the 90s movie happiness but if you saw that movie in in the the 90s indie movie heyday 
and you were exploring all that stuff and you had like me never seen a movie like happiness before in your life and you were of a certain age he's just always the happiness dad and that's that's kind of unfortunate but i know someone who had him as a neighbor really kurt st thomas lived down the street from him and then he saw happiness and had to see him on the street every day and was like that's the dude <laughs> like he's he, he seems like he'd be really nice and he's a great actor but i mean that's just who he is i liked how this weaved together not in a typical anthology fashion. I liked how it's a little confusing, but it's kind of like part of the charm. And if you watch it a couple times, it's a little bit easier. But you'll see somebody meet their end in one story, but then later in another story, they're like walking by the current story because this all takes place in the same town. It does a lot of kind of somewhat meta stuff like that, which I liked. This is, um, it's Doherty, right? Mike Doherty? The writer yep. and director? Yep. It makes perfect sense that he would go on to uh, direct Krampus, and he co-wrote Krampus. Oh. Yes. So to me, this is an early stab at getting his holiday horror movie. I love Krampus. I'm a big fan of that. We talked about that on the show. This makes perfect sense to me as a lead-up to Krampus. Um, so I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite thing, but uh, it, it was a good time. This one is very cute. I think I fall into the demographic in that I watch horror movies all year round, but I also like to be festive and watch Halloween-themed movies when Halloween comes. Pumpkin spice. I love PSLs all <laughs> day, cookie every cutters. day. <laughs> Get I them love, out. I got bat cookie cutters in my drawer. You basic. basically were trolling me. I'm like, Busted. I do this. I don't have a family. I would have a Halloween tree. I would. So this one's a, a little cutie, uh, you know, a light, but it was a nice, you know, bunch of cute uh, kind of spooky tales. I wouldn't say this is like, you know, obviously the scariest movie we've ever seen, but it was no. fun. You know, there was like the beheadings. There was some gore. Um, I probably would have found it scarier had I watched it, you know, as a, as a younger person. You know, Sam is a perfect mascot for Halloween, I think. Uh, you know, he's just like this little dude that guides us through the film. And I, he's just like a perfect representation. He's fun. He was probably like the spookiest part. Everything's like a little corny, but that's what I like when it comes to like the festive movies. You know, you could kind of see what was going to happen. It was a little predictable at times, but I thought it worked well. Um, we got some blood. We got some guts. Um, it, it's not, you know, groundbreaking by any means, but I think it definitely has its place in the yearly Halloween lineup. Um, but yeah, into it. I mean, I think it makes sense, Trent, like you're, you're, and, and what to, to what you said as well, Dave, where it's a little like super hard on Halloween. It's a little too on the nose. It's a little cute. It's a little spirit of Halloween. I mean, right. Doherty, this was his first directing gig, but he came up doing co-writes on like X-Men movies and yeah. Superman yeah. Returns, um, and he directed not just Krampus, but Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So he's going right. sort of for that like big-budget horror-type thing, but he's coming from a very commercial blockbuster background, which is why I'm still surprised that this was just... You know, it did really well at film festivals in 2007, but we didn't really get to see it until 2009 because they were still kind of hemming and hawing about a theatrical release. But I think that kind of explains, um, you know, why it does. It's very polished, I guess I would say. It does give you some very horror moments, 
but the payoff is all kept off screen. So I think for us and what yeah. we're used to watching, it's like, oh, somebody's going to get bitten, but it's well, off if, screen. Yeah. And if you think of the time, it might have been thought that this was out of step with what was selling in horror. I thought it was gory. It, it, Are you saying it wasn't gory? I don't think it was as I think that I'm just putting oh. myself in the I'm, if I'm putting myself in the position of a studio looking at a theatrical run and I'm looking at all the horror movies that are making money I'm saying that this is out of step with those this is a little bit too friendly and a little bit too cute and not as hardcore as some of the stuff that was you know making waves I thought the only edge that the anthologies this week had was some gr- gratuitous gore like I thought that was like the thing that I feel like the next one had more. The next one twisted. had a lot more gore for sure. There's a lot of like you lift like those scenes where like you lift up the shovel and then the the POV is the shovel coming down and then the screen goes black. Mm-hmm. There's yes. a lot of those or something happens and all you see is like blood spatter on something else right, other or, than what's right, hitting. Or, yes. Or like yeah. somebody screams or whatever and then, you know, that's the end. Doherty said that this was a nightmare to edit, and I can only imagine why, because, Trent, you nailed it. There's segments that you see, and you see somebody, you see their demise, yet in another, as it's jumping around segments, all of a sudden that person or those people are, like, walking by. But So I can't imagine what it was like to edit, because it's not like, the, obviously the film wasn't, the movie wasn't filmed in sequence. Obviously he got Anna Paquin and that whole crew together to do you know, the surprise party segment, and they filmed that. And then they would do, you know, Dylan Baker and uh, the principal segment. Uh, so when you get into the editing room, you have four, com- basically four complete short films with a quick opening. And now you have to make a decision, you know, how you're going to edit all of that together. So that to me is, is one of the uh, really good achievements of this movie. As a casual movie viewer, you may not appreciate that, but I think we, knowing, you know, a little bit more of what goes into these movies post-production, uh, I think I think we can appreciate that. I think that the editing is what made it great, is because I I actually wouldn't call this an anthology. It's kind of like a story told entirely non-linear. They all kind of mm-hmm. connect. It almost reminds me of like the indie films that a lot of these actors are in uh, from this time period. Um, I, I think a lot of these people, I was like surprised to see them in a movie uh, this lowbrow, you know, like Brian Cox and even Dylan Baker. And like, you know, it's it got a pretty all the adult cast is pretty stacked with indie stars and then children. <laughs> we saw but, we saw Brian Cox as Hannibal, correct? In Manhunter. Yeah. Brian Cox play. Yeah, Hannibal? Yes. OK. Yes. I would say besides Sam, our little cutie boy. Um, my favorite part, well, I will say I liked that there were only four, um, like stories to follow in this one. It made it a little easier to kind of connect, not that we're really connecting with these characters, but you know, to like be invested in, in characters along the way. Um, but I think my favorite one was the spooky hot girl werewolves scene. For Definitely sure. my favorite scene too. Yeah. Uh, I was not expecting that. I thought it was going to be, you know, like damsel in distress situation. Like, and then it just obviously took that turn. I thought the the CGI was fun and that, you know, like the effects in that was like, you know, it was fun. And I I think that one was my favorite. I would say least favorite 
It's just the weird, the bus children. That one was just like didn't care so for that. Weird. I was like, really? Yeah. I thought that yeah. was great. I thought I I like the backstory, like the flashback. I yeah. thought that that was that was the best part of it. That sure. was really good, and all of the actors were actually disabled. Why were they suddenly taking an elevator down to a mine shaft and all that? Like, I just kind of lost. Like, it was hard to even. I watched it a couple times. I still didn't quite get what they were. It's because Why was there the, an elevator there. Those kids were playing. So we're talking about Halloween school bus massacre, which is the second segment after well, the opening, then the principal, then Halloween school bus massacre. Those four kids were purposefully trying to play a trick on Rhonda. So basically, you have these kids. And they are going through and collecting jack-o'-lanterns, one for each of these children that were on the bus years ago. And they go to Rhonda's house. They get Schrader, the hot kid, to lure Rhonda out and say, we're going to the quarry. They go down to where the bus, quote-unquote, bus massacre happened. And then they play that prank on her. That was the I get, whole purpose. I get that. Of it. Yeah, I get all that. Just some of it, I didn't didn't make a lot of sense. Like you were, were just saying, like, why is there a shaft? They into never a found. Quarry? They never found the bus. I mean, they would find the bus of a school <laughs> bus with. A stu- I they would well, find. The thing, but the I, I don't want to. I don't want to debate the particulars of the story. It's not. <laughs> it's not that important. Just there was a couple of things there that. You know the kinda, stories you hear, like the holiday folklore and all that stuff. Those are mm-hmm. always very. Uh, Vague. Yes, they don't. Right. They don't explain everything. It's, it's just urban sh- legends. Yeah, you got how it all wrapped up at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and the That's thing why I will say, call it an anthology. The thing about the school bus murders is, it does what a lot of these stories in both movies. There's a lot of revenge themes in all of these, and there's a lot of tricks that go too far, guys. This time. Both movies feature a lot of that, like getting your the bad guy getting the just desserts, the tables being turned, or guys, we went too far this time with the trick, the trick, and, and that happens in the school bus murders. I love that one. I think maybe because the first time I ever saw this movie, I was genuinely surprised by the ending and the great reveal of. I was yeah no that was cool. I was surprised by that because it comes back later. The school bus murders comes back to be very important in the end of the whole movie i feel like if you were like a horror movie dj you could just throw these on at a party on loop Mm -hmm. and they kind of all like tie together like in the right day of the year you know you have a party and you have the peeled grapes (laughs) the eyeballs i want to do that at our halloween party i want to do some scary things like spaghetti i'm not touching communal spaghetti yeah, at our it's at our social uh, pandemic, Dave Dave's already it's even scary. To start the next one. Maybe we'll have a, a bowl of eyeballs. Maybe it'll be that we'll do some of those things that you have to blindfold yourself and put the hand in. And all we have to do not. is text Pat from the Ephodian and say we want to do a haunted house, <laughs> and it's going to be on. You'll have to sign a waiver. I'm not putting on any blindfolds around those people. <laughs> Step right up to the Labetta booth. Here we have. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, Cat! You mentioned you mentioned the surprise party. That's I think that's the third proper story. That was my favorite one. I think overall, just because I loved the practical effects of uh, werewolves. Mm-hmm. That reminded me so much of the Howling and all of those '80s, those classic '80s werewolf movies where you get 
big, giant practical effects werewolves with these giant ears that are ten times bigger than yeah than scale for some reason, and the big snout. <laughs> like that, that was really fun for me. I, I did enjoy that. Well, and that's that scene's a total homage to the Howling, like yeah. the fact that it happens around a campfire. Yes, yes, and they they gave you this dynamic that like they diverted your attention because you were like almost concerned for the girls because mm-hmm. they're out here in their uh, you know Halloween outfits and there's lots of like round orb cleavage in this. Lots and of you're kind of like yeah. concerned about them the whole time. That's what makes that twist so cool is because you don't see that. And I think this is the origin story for uh, True Blood, right? No. Because Anna this Panquin. This is how it started. Kevin, you mentioned uh, Carpenter references in this. I didn't catch any of those well, off Brian, the top of my Brian head. Brian but... Cox. Well, so Carpenter is uh, Doherty's favorite director. Uh, Brian Cox's character, Mr. Krieg. Uh, his look was based on John Carpenter, so he was wearing like, oh. aesthetics and looking like <laughs> yeah, Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the Big Lebowski. Wow. There's, there's so yeah. many. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna remember them all. But um, that flashback scene from the school bus massacre, they drive by the car from Christ- Christine. Oh, uh, there's there's wow. so many. There's so okay. many nods. Like I, I, I kind of had the feeling both yeah. of these movies. I didn't bother to write them all down. I had that feeling as I was watching that I knew some some of this stuff was sailing by me. Just like little things that we see in these movies that pay homage, and I I knew I wasn't getting them all. Kevin, I like these movies better because I know how much you like them. I feel like this time of year when you put on a movie like this, I feel like at definitely at some point in the movie you're throwing up the devil horns. And you're psyched. <laughs> you're pumping your fist. Like, this is your rock and roll. Like, Yeah. I like it better when I'm talking to you about it because I know that you really like it. You picked it out of true love. Not like Cat. Like, I don't, you know, like just, hey, you know, randomly uh, saying some trash for me hey, to watch. we can praise each other without trashing another another co-host. Uh, okay? No, we, no, come no, on, we can't. Come on. I'm just saying it's a different a dynamic when somebody really loves something. It, it, it becomes a little bit infectious and... You know, more than wanting to talk about things that I didn't like, then I get more into appreciating what you love about it. So what about the last segment with where Brian Cox? Did you guys like that one? That is my least favorite one out of uh, all the segments. I still love it, but it was my least favorite. Well, I like all the ones that had misdirection. And this one was just kind of like straight up, you know, just... Just fighting. Yeah, just fighting, just violence. But I did like see seeing Brian Cox doing that, but I liked it for that. You could, you kind of just like saw how like indestructible that friggin' little being is. I thought that was, that was, it was mostly just like fun to like watch him beat this guy up. I didn't like his face. I wish I didn't see his face. Yeah. I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Like a total like Michael Myers moment or something like that. Like I don't need the the mask to come off. I thought thought the face was cool. Did yeah. you catch the uh, Did you catch the pet cemetery nod? No. The slice. Oh, the oh. ankle slice. The what? What was it? The Achilles. Yeah. Oh when yeah yeah yes I, yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah classic. Those are moments like Dave said where I'm like clapping and being like yes. <laughs> well, there was an Achilles slice in a uh, uh, barbarian. Not to spoil anything, but I saw that last night and it was fucking amazing. I can't wait. I'm gonna try to get there tomorrow. So overall, I think um, I'm surprised that this was not released in theaters because it does have that like sheen to it. I'm surprised that there was never a sequel because this is a bona fide cult classic. 
And there was, I, uh, yeah, there was one in the works at one point, right? There was talk of a sequel. Twice, like shortly yeah. after this came out, and people were like raving about it. And then I think again in, in maybe 2013, 14, sometime around there. I'm curious, like, what do you guys think of the character of Sam? Like, does that character have legs to carry, you know, sequels, franchise, you know, to sort of Short have ones. like a little universe? <laughs> I think, I think so. I don't know. It's like he could really, they could just use him in any story. He could be a part of any story. He can be the, you know, the person that's keeping the rules of Halloween in line. I don't know how maybe like an origin story might be interesting, but I assume it's just some weird. Yeah. He's just like some weird Halloween being. My, I, I guess my question is, I, I didn't know until now. I've never heard of there being rules about Halloween. I feel like that. Yeah. That was like, that guy was really offended. The whole, what the guy was really offended. Rules? He was like fighting with his girlfriend over it. Like, yo, there are rules. You might want oh, to not can't break the rules people. of Halloween. Not Superstitions. a thing. Listen, Not people a who thing. have bat cookie cutters and Halloween no, trees no, they don't. know the that there are okay. rules to Halloween. What, what are the rules, Kat? I don't know. Why don't you run down through them real quick? Didn't There's you watch no the rules. movie? Didn't just you go watch listen the movie? to Rhonda. You just have to go back, watch Halloween School Bus Massacre, and listen to Rhonda. I did. My last comment would be... Of, uh, Dave, you mentioned like the segments with misdirect and stuff like that. So there's a big reveal at the end, which blew my mind. My favorite reveal, though, however is in Surprise Party. And it's not what you think it is. It is who Anna Paquin ends up quote-unquote with. I thought that that part was confusing because I thought that guy already died like twice before that. And I well, was like, wait, what? I, I, let a lot go, I let a lot slide in this movie because I was super confused about certain things in the timeline and whatever. But at the end of it, I didn't really care because it was just like, it's just a joyride. It's a Halloween right. haunted house festive. Trick or treat, baby, on a night like this. Trick or treat, whoa, whoa, and that means a kiss. Trick or treat, baby, and don't let me miss a sweet kiss from you on a night like this. Trick or treat, baby, by the light of the moon. Trick or treat, whoa, whoa, don't leave me so soon. All right, my second pick for Way Too Early for Halloween, and my second stab at anthologies is 2015's Tales of Halloween. This one asks a little bit more of the watcher, I think, than did Trick or Treat. So this is a true anthology. It is 10 segments, 10 different directors, some teams of directors, and there really isn't a thread that pulls it together other than Adrian Barbeau. So again, like Trick or Treat, this takes place all in the same town, and the only sort of quote-unquote wraparound that you have is Adrian Barbeau is the local DJ. Again, another John Carpenter nod to her role in The Fog. So this one I found to be a little bit more uneven. I liked this one for the gore, and I mean, I, I would say maybe 50% of the segments kind of landed for me. The other 50% still enjoyable watching. This one's a little bit more low budge than Trick or Treat. And it has every so many people involved in the horror and indie horror world um, that it is fun. If you're like a hardcore horror fan, you're going to recognize a lot of people in this Um 
but you know, you have Darren Lynn Boozman who did a bunch of the Saw movies. You have Lucky McKee. You have Neil Marshall doing the final end segment. Um, you've got a whole bunch of great actors in this one. You have Barry Bostwick. You have Pollyanna McIntosh. Uh, a lot of a lot of threads in this one to other films and people that we've talked about on the show, but I would say overall this is like a B plus for me. Where Trick or Treat is an A plus for me personally. Um, and then you have the greatest cliche of all time. You have Night of the Living Dead basically playing in every <laughs> yeah. single one of the ten yeah. segments uh, in some way, shape, or form. Except, except maybe the Week in the Wicked. I don't think they had a chance to to kind of throw that in there unless I missed it. Um, but I, I I enjoy this one. I picked this knowing that it was sort of an on the fence pick, and it could be a little polarizing among amongst the crew here because. Trick or Treat, I was pretty confident in. I knew it wasn't going to land, especially with some of like the really hard and dark stuff that we've been doing lately. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to lighten it up. I enjoyed this the first time I watched it. Um, and I've watched it a few times since. And this is another one of my go-tos. Um, and and I, I don't know if we mentioned, I believe that Trick or Treat is a rental. It is, yeah. But this one is yeah. everywhere. Tales of Halloween, you can you can probably just walk down the street and it's playing on like a <laughs> billboard somewhere. This is incredibly easy to find. Yeah, all the ad-supported sites, all the free sites, this movie yeah, is on. Tubi. And you can rent it too if you want to watch a commercial free. I know that this one will be a little bit more divisive, so uh, I'm, I'm more interested in, in this conversation taking it in a direction of sort of like segment by segment. Uh, in terms of each co-host, like what segments did you like and did you not like? Because there's nothing like in Trick or Treat to tie this one together, so it really is uh, like a, I liked that one, I didn't like that one. However, in the spirit of, of true anthologies, it is kind of nice that... If there's a, a segment that you aren't enjoying, you know you only have about eight more minutes to go. Yep. I thought this one was just good old-fashioned spooky fun. Uh, Halloween anthologies might be my new favorite uh, thing. I'm excited to delve into that. Um, you know, like Kevin just said, just short little stories. You know, you get like a little, you know, you get it all out in like less than ten minutes. Um, Same. There's new spooky fun every. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> there's new spooky fun every time. Uh, one sucks. It'll be over soon, and it's a brand new one. Uh, it's just you know, it's a perfect throw it on, get in the spirit, just enjoy your life, enjoy the short amount of time you have on this planet, especially during spooky season. I thought the stories in this one were they were fun obviously like i just said but i thought they were a little bit more darker um perhaps a bit more gruesome more gory which i was super into yeah, definitely but it also ha was super comedic like i feel like every every uh you know vignette had like a punchline at some point it was just you know there were obviously some dumb ones like some goofy ones uh like the weird like what was it like Friday the 31st or whatever like the weird alien like yes. Jason thing yeah. uh, like that was just like what the fuck is that like I was watching that at like 3 a.m. last night because I couldn't sleep and I'm like what is what is going on my favorite though was the grinning ghost one that one legitimately wow. spooked me it's the one huh. yeah 
Because, you know, it's this one, like the shadow with like those weird talon thingies, like walking down the street. And then there's the one jump scare, like at the end when she like leans back on the couch and that woman's like, you know, just sitting there. That was probably my favorite in terms of spookiness. I liked a lot of the other ones in terms of humor, like the, um, the kidnapping one was like a really like, you know, that was like a funny, a funny story. I wouldn't say there were any that I super like hated. I just thought that some were like, I don't know. Um, I guess like the weird like Hansel and Gretel one was just like, I'm like, yeah, mm. we get it. Can I, I don't know. What are you, a demon? I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I think this one checked a lot of fun boxes for me. I'm not like, you know, going to tear it apart. It's obviously, I think it, it did what it set out to do. And I think it was a success in that aspect. And I loved the, Night of the Living Dead imagery uh, throughout. It was a it was a nice week for me to get into the mood for Halloween. I think the thing about both of these movies is uh, part of the point is tribute, and that that's part of where they both shine. Both of these movies do the creep show thing. I noticed where they have the comic book uh, imagery throughout at the beginning and the end. You know, this one being all different directors and writers and teams and all that, this kind of is like a mix. And it's one that is almost more interesting to me to to find out about how it was made and to read about the production and the different people involved and match them up with things that I know that they've done before and, and since. But this is like a mix of established filmmakers in the horror realm just having some fun, obviously, taking a couple days. I mean, McKee, Lucky McKee, he was a replacement for one of the other directors or filmmakers that was going to do a short, and he ended up flying out to L.A. for like two days and did his. So there's a mix of established people doing doing stuff like that and having fun with it, and some people that are less established that maybe have done some stuff that's a little bit more below the radar, and they're getting to have fun too and kind of rub shoulders with it and, and be in this same realm with some of these other people. So I think that's fun. This one... It's definitely, I guess, the darker, quote-unquote, than Trick or Treat. Darker than, like, Halloween cookie-cutter cookies. Definitely appreciated some of the gore. Segment by segment, I mean, I'm more interested in, for example, um, Paul Solette. He wrote and directed Grace, which we talked about, 2009. I love Grace. You guys didn't like it as much. He also had a movie out last year that he co-wrote with um, Adrian Brody, uh, and stars Adrian Brody, who produced, called Clean. Interesting movie, not that great. I didn't really like his segment. I thought The Weak and the Wicked was uh, one of the weak ones Woo. of the bunch. My favorite one, for sure, Neil Marshall, the last one, called Bad Seed. That one, to me, is is the most, like, this could be a movie. It's the most, a lot of times, a short, to me, is kind of trying to demonstrate, like, a proof of concept that, this this could be a more fleshed out idea. This could be something that you could have a feature film out of. I thought Neil Marshall did that really well with The Bad Seed, where he showed you what the setup would be, what the basic plot would be, and then what the big end would be that would, you know, drop everyone's uh, jaws. And it reminded me, again, like we I talked about with... Um, with some of the stuff in Trick or Treat, Bad Seed really reminded me of that could have been a wacky 80s horror movie, and it would have had that same ending, almost like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I would compare it to that. Halloween that, 3. 
yeah, that's, yeah, that same kind of vibe. So that was interesting. You know, some of them were yawn. Some of them were like, I really hate this. Um, and, you know, a couple of them were, oh, John Landis is in this one, director of American Werewolf in London, among other movies. There's a lot of cameos. Felissa Rose is in here. So that kind of stuff is fun, but I didn't really, I didn't like this one as much. Wait, which one is Felissa uh, Rose in? She is in, um, I don't remember, but the, the, the list of cameos in this, you know, Barbara Crampton, Nick Garris, Stuart Gordon, Jake Gyllenhaal, Adam Green, Greg McLean is in this, Joe Dante is in this. The, the list of cameos is, uh, you know, kind of a who is who of horror, and that goes back to the tribute thing, so fun enough. I didn't love this one, but again, Kevin, I always like talking about this stuff with you, so I'm starting to appreciate it a little bit more now. Well, my tendency is to pick apart something like this, but I think it's almost a continuation of the last movie. I think anthologies are like this. They're like little lowbrow, and they're just kind of fun and campy. So I'm not trying to pick them apart. Um, my favorite segment of this was definitely uh, the competing Halloween decorations, guys. It was like the metalheads. <laughs> oh, this means war. It was, like, uh. it was like Run DMC and Aerosmith. It was like, you know... I, I like that part, and it was not trying to go too far over the top. Horror anthologies are very disposable, though, and that's the thing I like about them. Uh, it's what I imagine, like, Tinder or Fuckbook to be like. Uh, you just kind of scroll through, and you watch them. There, was diff- there were definitely segments of both movies where there were, like, slow-motion people that looked cool walking that I was like on my phone, I was like 10 seconds ahead and they were still walking. But um, I like this movie overall. Um, I would say the ads on Tubi hurt Tales of Halloween. Because uh, like had an Olive it. Garden uh. ad starts in the corner and in the corner of the screen you see this like one out of 10. So you know uh. you have 10 Olive <laughs> Garden ads worst. or uh, Allegra or whatever. And it really kills the momentum, and yeah. it also doesn't help that the production quality of most of the ads are better than the <laughs> anthology. Yes, that, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but um, I didn't think it was that bad. No, no, uh, I, I, I liked it a lot. I really like Sweet Tooth. Great. Sweet Tooth sucks you in. I feel I like, like Sweet after Tooth Sweet Tooth, there's a bunch of throwaways. There's the things that you are like, okay, this is going to be over soon. Uh, and then it ramps up again at the end. Um, they kind of sprinkle, I think, the highlights throughout. But I liked it overall. And for this kind of uh, genre, this part of the genre, I have a lot of leeway. I'm just like, this is fun. This is for people uh, that are celebrating Halloween. And we have more people focused on horror right now. So let's go. Like, that's great. Yeah, I think, you know, Trent, you mentioned uh, Paul Soleil, who did Grace, which I, I, I liked Grace. I mean, I, I guess I'll have to go back and listen to uh, the you. And... Uh, you you panned it pretty. Okay. Straight up. Well, yeah. you know, Massachusetts guy. Uh, but the weak, <laughs> the weird thing is, the weird thing about that is, is he does this movie, Grace, that was you know apparently people fainted at the festival showings and it was so it. disturbing, and he did the Week in the Wicked segment of this anthology, and he has a bunch of like Disney kids. And he has the kid from Atypical. I don't know if any of you guys have watched the show Atypical. No clue. It's, it's, a, it's a really good show. But, but it's like literally like the bad girl from that is like one of the stars of like Teen Beach Movie. 
And the other one is like, I think the descendants, like he's got all these like Disney people in this, you know, demon summoning segment of the movie. And I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, And and Lucky McKee kind of surprised me. I mean, it's obvious that um, he would bring in Pollyanna McIntosh as the, always, which, you know, we talked about the woman and Lucky McKee, you know, broke onto the scene with May which uh, is a fantastic horror movie, but this was just, that was just a weird, weird segment. So like, didn't this like woman... that. I thought that was, you know, what? I think some of the, the more higher profile filmmakers did some of the more yawn movies in this. Yeah. I'm actually, honestly, Trent, I'm surprised that you liked bad seed as much because I thought that like starting it with sweet tooth was a no brainer. It just, it checks all the boxes, but then, I thought ending it with Bad Seed, I didn't like it as much until I just heard your description of it, that it is the perfect version of a short film that is trying to justify itself as a potential future 90-minute feature film. So now I do appreciate it a little bit more. And I am a Halloween 3 apologist. I think that Season of the Witch is is an underrated entry into the Halloween franchise. I 100% agree with Kat that Grim Grinning Ghost is fantastic. And because I love Alex Esso. I think that she is a total screen queen, a great actress. Dave, you and I have talked about Starry Eyes. She's the star of that movie. Uh, oh, she was in Doctor I love that Sleep. movie. She's done some stuff with Mike Flanagan. Um, there's a lot of ties to like Flanagan in this as well. I thought that one was fantastic. Just very, very concise. You see Alex Esso and Lynn Shea in the beginning. You're immediately hooked. And that's what a lot of these cameos do is they're just there to make you like to keep your attention. Like, oh, you got John Landis. I'm going to watch this. Um, I, but I do think that my absolute favorite was Trick was the one. So Adam Garash yeah. and Jason yeah. Anderson did this one. Interesting um, history. A, yeah. Yeah, really interesting history. I mean, they wrote Mother of Tears for Argento. I know, yeah. I love that one, It's crazy. Yeah, Uh, They have a very interesting history. But I thought that that one was... And and Tiffany Shepis stars in this one. Huge B-movie screen queen. I thought that this one was really, really good. Because the first time that I watched it, it got me. Like, I had no idea. At first, I was like... I, I give no fucks about spoiling this movie. If if you're a horror watcher, you ha- you have been able to find this on anything, anything. Like somebody probably handed you a free copy of the DVD. It's when not it about came out. the twist. Anyway. It's a five minute investment. These are shorts. Yeah, I thought that one was totally just going to be a oh, it's little kid trick or treaters that are out killing people. I did not see what was coming in that one. Yeah, at all. yeah, yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, that one was funny. So. Sometimes when I'm at work, if I have some downtime, I'm on a computer, whatever, I'll throw on, you know, a film and just kind of, you know, watch it, get get some um, some extra viewing time in. And one of my uh, coworkers came over to watch some of it with me. And it's funny that we're like, oh, it was gory. It was fine. But from an outsider's perspective, this was like the most gory, crazy <laughs> film. Wild so, stuff. <laughs> Not safe oh, for work, cat. Dude, I pay, well, yeah, and so he, yeah, and he's like a big, strong man, and he walks over, and he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, Tales of Halloween, blah, 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 and it was the first scene. It was Sweet Tooth, 
And oh, of well, course yeah. he comes That's... in for the end when the entrails are out. And he's like, <laughs> what is this? And I'm like, oh yeah, like ate the candy, blah, blah. And I'm just like, derp, derp, derp. And then he comes back over when it's that scene, you know, with like stabby kids. And he's like, what are you? What Who is are this? You? And I'm just like, and I'm just sitting there. He like, went to HR. Mm-hmm. Do you have HR? He went to HR. He does listen to the podcast, so he knows, you know, but he doesn't watch the movies. And after that, he was like, yeah, I'm just going to listen. I'm not going to, I don't watch these movies. I'm like, and that's why we do it. See, we watch it for the people. I, I like the, uh, the value of candy in this movie. People would just be like, yeah, I fucking killed them all because they ate my candy. I think maybe Trick, you guys mentioned Trick. I, I, I had been thinking Bad Seed was my favorite, but I did like Trick. That might be my second favorite just because at least at the end you get the whole hostile montage, all the eyeballs. And the yeah. whole thing about Trick is basically an eyeball short. So I can respect that. And also that team that, that we talked about behind that, that wrote Mother of Tears, they were at least half of the team, if not both. They were involved in that movie Autopsy. From 08 or they 09? both were, yeah. Okay, did you ever see that? Yeah, oh yeah, with like Robert Patrick as like a I haven't side seen it. character. Is, is it brutal? Um, I mean, when you guys ask me questions like that, it's like brutal in comparison to what? I mean, it's, it's called worth a watch. <laughs> it's worth a watch. It's called autopsy. It's, it's worth a watch. And and the whole thing about it is it all the posters and all everything is. It just shows like severed limbs and sewn together limbs. So, and it's from that era that I was just wondering if we would consider that to be, is it even like hostile brutal? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I'm surprised you guys liked the grim grinning ghost. That was my least, that was among the, I don't, the I don't have all the titles memorized. That's the one where the whole, the whole short happens and like nothing happens at all. But then at the end, all of a sudden the ghost is on the couch and that's the end. It's like the lamest thing. I liked it. It. I mean, I'm not saying it was. I liked it because that was when it I was legitimately frightened me. It frightened me. What do you mean nothing happened? She gets her car stuck. Nothing happened at all. Or whatever. After like her mom talks about this ghost story. And that and whole party. Oh my god. Oh, it was fun. I loved it. Oh, that whole party. That's, that's going to be Mick me. Garris, that's going to be me in 30 years. That's where the Mick Garris and Barbara Crampton cameos are. That is the most low budget. Oh, right. I, that was yes. where Sorry. I thought that I was screening shorts for a small film festival when I was watching that short. Like, right. and I was giving yeah, this. Right. I was giving this about a four, and going, Jesus, get me to the next short. I felt that way a few times during this collection. But well, I, let's be I, real, I Trent. Let's be real, Trent. You used the term that we don't use around here. Uh, you said goosebumps. <laughs> He said goosebumps in a text to me. I'll send it to you, Kevin. I have it. I, uh, it's all I documented. Didn't wanna, I didn't want to drop the G word tonight. Kind of goosebumps, bro. But 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 <sighs> goosebumps. Trent's defense. I also said that I felt like anthologies were like a battle of the bands, not a real concert. And that's why. That's, that's how fair. you judge it. You know what I mean? You judge no, it it's on, based on that. Yeah. I, I knew still have a good I time. knew that I didn't hit it out of the park this week with Trent and Dave because you guys are wonderful. I like it. At, I at least, it. if not the thread, you will individually text me on my weeks and you'll be like, great picks, bro, or wow, 
like, hey, good job. Or and a silence. It was, <laughs> and it was crickets this week. So I was like, no, I, I don't think, I I like think I'm going to get eviscerated. Like, I don't think they're going to sweet tooth me on this one. But there's there's a good <laughs> chance that they're going to be sort of like riding the fence and leaning towards the not so good side. Like the grass is not greener on this side. So I'm going to fall over here. <laughs> this is a Halloween thing. It's a seasonal thing. People like this. They like to go to Salem. They like pumpkin spice. They like witches and all that, and I, they like yeah. uh, slogans. Stevie Nicks. I was going to say, because I, I watched both of these twice. I did my due diligence. The thing about Trick or Treat, Pumpkin Spice, Trick or Treat is best enjoyed after, I wouldn't make it like your main event of the night, but I would have it after the main event when you've had a couple more Pumpkin Spice beers, and maybe mm. the, the frozen pizza is going in or some sort of late night thing. <laughs> That point, you're literally uh, describing my life. That's this is when literally you, my life. That's when you put on <laughs> trick or treat, and it's a little too late, and you do have to work tomorrow. But you're just going to well, watch. Kat, trick I would or like treat. you to that's call when me it's next best. time. I can cuddle with you and Nick, and Perfect. we can. I'm not going right to drink pumpkin spice beers, but I well. I will eat frozen pizza and watch trick or treat. Um, I'll throw poop want. at you guys if you guys want. So, me to come over. <laughs> one of the segments that I. Remembered enjoying the first time I saw this movie and really, really disliked this time was The Night Billy Raised Hell, the oh, Barry Bostwick segment. Didn't, didn't like it. I, it I remembered being really? like, oh, that is so clever. That's funny. Like, wow, he really got Billy. And I hated it this time. I thought it was so cheesy. It went by way too fast. Very cheesy. And I just I thought it was I thought it was absolute and, and and this is Barry Bostwick of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I thought that segment was like like utterly unwatchable. That one. Wow, I didn't, um, I guess I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, I I, I, I thought mean, it I was watched terrible. it. So. I thought it was kind of deplorable. Like, now, Adam Green. Did we talk about Adam Green? He's in at least two of these. I, I didn't catch half of the cameos, so I guess I will dock this a point for having all of these people and not even having them be memorable like so you're literally just wink winking yeah you can tell the the efficiency of the production when you're watching it you know what i mean like yes good um, point. a lot of the great uh anthologies from the past uh like like black sabbath or uh two evil eyes uh romero and argento and even creep show they're less rapid fire than this this has like all kinds of segments and they're trying to get in as many directors and many actors and do everything and they do it well. But I think that if they concentrated and it was make maybe four stories and even like, I think that's where uh, trick or treat is superior to this is because of how it's a little bit more refined, but it had the splatter that you don't get in trick or treat that um, Friday the 31st, Oh, you have the severed limbs and the geysers of blood and severed heads. I love that one. I love how confusing Trick it is. Treat. Yeah, I think I liked that one. I think I hated that one the first time I watched. It's the opposite of the night that Billy raised hell. I loved that one and hated Friday the 31st. And then now when I go back and watch it, I really appreciate how off the chains Friday the 31st is. It's like everything so weird. that you want. Um, and... The this time I noticed that the Necronomicon is one of the things in the Jason Voorhees killer guys uh, killer shed. 
Of oh, course. Of course, yeah. So, Kat, you talked about Grim Grinning Ghost. So, the director of that, I think it's a- Axel Carolyn. I'm not sure if I'm. I'm not sure how you pronounce per- that. She's the, she's the one yeah. who put this whole. She put this together. She was married to Neil Marshall at one point, and she yeah she put this together. Yeah, and to tie it all the way back to Trick or Treat, I think that the idea was, hey, th- like this is very similar to Trick or Treat in terms of it takes place in the same town. So yep. I think somebody was like, let's get even more horror people involved. Yes. And let's like try to outdo. Yes. I think this was, I'm going to outdo Trick or Treat. But this is, this is a Could case. Could have been a sequel. Uh, like D- Dave said it, this is a case of sometimes less is more. You don't need to pull every single horror icon or indie horror, you know, person into something and it's and it's going to make it better. Sometimes just pare it down and, and it will be it will be better. And it's interesting. Like we talk about sort of like the budget. Axel, I'm going to say Axel Carolyn. Um, she's done work on the Shutter version of the Creepshow series. Uh, yes. She's done some yeah. American Horror Story. She did some work with uh, Mike Flanagan on Haunting a Bly Manor. To me, this was uh, horror nerds jerking off and hoping yeah. that the rest of us yep. horror nerds would, <laughs> totally. would, would do the same with them. A simultaneous jerk. Next week, two of my very favorite movies from 2022, one called Speak No Evil and one called Saloon. And those are both on Shutter. 